Hello, everyone. This is Noble back again for another episode of Noble Relating, the podcast of the new paradigm. I have a very special guest again with me um, today, this week, um, a, a person I had the pleasure of meeting once or twice, and I follow her online. I love her work. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Genevieve. Mm, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I, I feel like you be busy a lot. So I feel kind of special that, you know, I was able to get the time to with you. Well, you know, you, you know, and love some of the people that I know and love. And so that's that connection. I always say yes to. Oh, well, thank Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so if you don't mind, uh, Genevieve, let's tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, I know a little about you personally, but we haven't connected, um, very, very close. You had a lot of um, one-on-one conversations. Um, can you just maybe tell the people you know who you are, what you're about? Yeah, totally. So I call myself nowadays an erotic explorer, meaning Ooh. that my life, I really love exploring eroticism in different perspectives and from different lenses. Um, I started my explorations, I mean, really from the second I came out of the womb, but professionally, I was a professional dominatrix in New York City. And that was kind of the beginning. I was only 18 when I was doing that. And then from there, I've gone into all sorts of different ways of playing with bodies, touching bodies, being with bodies, understanding sexuality and people's sh- shadows of sexuality. And it's it's really, I get to, you know, I geek out about it. I'm a total sex geek and I love being able to help people um, love each other freely without, you know, the stickiness of sexuality that our society currently places on top of it. So that's my, that's my big thing. And that's why I'm here. And I'm so happy to do it. Awesome. Um, you said something just there. I've never heard anybody say before. You said that you were a sex geek. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote it down. I was like, wow, I've never heard anybody refer to themselves as that. That, That's that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Totally. I'm one of those, after I have sex, I'm definitely like take out my notebook and write down. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? Because it's so exciting to me. Um, <laughs> so, you uh-huh. know, it's just me. <laughs> so um, what's your background? Like uh, I, hearing that, I would assume you didn't grow up in a very um, strict, traditional you know, um, household or, or region. Now, me personally, I'm from West Virginia. Uh, very traditional. I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, mm. Sets was a very for marriage type of thing. What, what's your background with sets in your early adult or early childhood? Yeah, so I grew up, I was born and raised in Baltimore um, and in kind of a black community, which I, was, I always talk to Kenya about that, a bit, about how interesting that is for us as, as really close friends nowadays. Um, okay. But I, I grew up in that community and sexuality was was a thing that was talked about, a thing that was kind of like my mom was so beautiful and sexy. And she, I remember looking at her and being like, wow, like what does this woman have, right? Um, Why when she walks into a room, does everyone's eyes turn toward her and they just want to know what she's she's about. And so I, I think my early learnings of sexuality was really watching my mother, the way that she would entice people and draw them into her and, and my my father's a musician, and so he he understood he understood energy and the intricacies of energy, and kind of taught me that at a young age. So 
because music is energy. Yeah. And I remember mm -hmm. wa watching him, he was a recording artist and I remember watching him record musicians and seeing these incredible um, R&B reggae mu musicians in Baltimore. And like, I was five years old sitting behind the screen and I would watch these women just like explode in pleasure as they were singing. And I was like, what is this magic? Like, what is this? Um, and so that was the positive side of my sexual, you know, orienting was that people, my parents were always very, they were really into helping me feel alive. They really, and they still are, they're artists, musicians. So they really want me and everyone that our community to feel like alive and having fun. And that's just the, the vibe of our family. Now, the negative side of it was that I didn't have a lot of boundaries and a lot of safety as a child. And Ooh. so so I never had rules. I never had a bedtime. I never knew when food was going to be put on the table. My parents were amazing at giving me so much freedom, but I had very little security. And so I had a lot of you know, near death experiences and I was molested and raped. And like, I, I was just kind of in the muck of, of a childhood without an adult taking care of me for really that my whole early childhood through teenage life. So it's a, it was a positive and a challenge as well that I've since overcome with my sexual healing journey. But, um, mm -hmm. I kind of know, and I'm grateful. It feels like I, I know now the full spectrum. I know like, okay, I understand sexual aggression really well because I've had, mm -hmm. I've experienced it so many times. And I also really understand sexual freedom and I can play in those two spaces as much as I want nowadays. Mm, that's very interesting because um, when I hear you say that, you know, it starts off and just your tone of voice, it sounds very jovial. You sound very, um, you know, very positive and bubbly about your experience of where you are now but then you mentioned things in terms of your early childhood of being you know um lack of safety or security not really knowing really like a structure it would seem mm -hmm. um you know being molested and whatnot like, how did you get to a place of positivity because i know a lot of people who have went through who would say stuff like that but they would dwell on those bad things and have a hard time getting to a self of you no know, positivity around sex and pleasure yeah, that's such a beautiful question. Thank you so much for asking that. It's something I really, really want to make sure people hear. So I'm glad you asked it. There's, to me, there's two types of sexuality. There's performative sexuality, which I learned at a young age, right? If I'm sexy, if I know my tricks and my tools in the bedroom, then I'll receive something, love, money, safety, a place to sleep, right? And then there's authentic sexuality, which is actually comes from a place of safety. So what, and I learned this through my own sexual healing journey when I started really being with myself. So sex to me growing up was all about the other person. What do they want? What do they need? How do I, how do I make them have a great time? And in my healing journey, it really started to shift to what would it be like if I take time to put my hands on my body and figure my own body out every single day? So one of the things that I teach is to have that consistent self-pleasure practice. It changes everything, especially when we start our self-pleasure practice with a sense of safety, which is so, I mean, now you know, hearing my story, why that's so important for me, but- mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
when the nervous system can ground and calm down, when the body feels relaxed, when, you know, when that safety's there, it's just like if you have a kid and you provide them the structures to feel safe, they're naturally going to want to go explore. Yeah. But a child like like how I grew up, I didn't have that safety. And so exploratory things were scarier for me. I wasn't the, I wasn't a very adventurous kid because I was always trying mm-hmm. to hold down safety. So what I've realized with sex is that if I can make sure that I feel so safe in my body, my arousal is going to feel incredible. It's going to be like this, it feels to me like this tingling heat flame of it's not like this rush of adrenaline, but it's this really yummy feeling that comes from within me, not from a place that someone else can give me. Um, and that's really just from years of working with my body and putting my hands on hundreds of bodies and figuring out, hang on, what's the difference when you have sex and it feels kind of empty versus, wow, that was amazing, which is what I'm going for nowadays. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's interesting. Thank you um, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Another question I have is, um, now again, everything you said now has to do with, that I just heard you say was about safety, feeling safe in your own body. Um, and I also heard you say that at 18, you started being, you worked as a dominatrix. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, and again, um, from my understanding, again, I'm, I'm a little juvenile when it comes to the BDSM, my BDSM knowledge. But a mm-hmm. dominatrix is typically, it may, not, it may or may not be sexual. You don't really have to be physically having sex with somebody, but it's more so about the um, sensuality of being able to dominate somebody in a loving space with whatever they want, pretty much serving the other person. Is that an accurate depiction? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're serving the client and by giving them giving them the the charge, the energy, the the activity that they've been craving and that they haven't been able to receive. It's it's it's, it's a type of sex work. It's, so it's a similar service-based industry. Yeah. Right. Um and again, and again, from my understanding of people who are dominatrices, um, they, they, they tend to be the one who are in control of the situation, um, even though the submissive is getting what they want and getting service, but they have the, they're putting out the energy of being in control. And everything that you had just said to me was about almost, it felt like being in a place of submission from safety, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my question would be like, with you growing up and having that lack of structure and safety, in my personal experience, I know that most people tend to gravitate to the more um, dominant sides of sex because that's where they feel safest. So, like, how did you get to the point of, you know, really being able to be submissive in a sexual scenario and feel safe doing that um, mm-hmm. without like, gravitating to just the dominant side? Does, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I totally feel you on that. The The thing for me is that there, there was a point in my sex life, maybe like in my mid-20s, where I was having sex all the time. I had like seven different lovers. I live in New York City, so it was very exciting. Um, I was a single mom, and I just, I had this moment where I was like, is this it? Like, <laughs> is this, like, I get that I'm having all this great hot sex, and I'm having orgies, and it's super fun but is this really it? Like, <laughs> it still felt like something was missing. And when I really, I, I knew that I had to go through my own personal exploration to figure out what was, and that's just 
what I do. I go deep into myself to figure that's how I learn about life. I find I go into myself. So I started to explore myself and I realized that all the sex that I was having was great and all, but my body wasn't actually fully relaxed or receptive. And this is this is something that's so important, especially for people that are receiving pleasure, because receiving should feel like so restful, so relaxed, like your body just opens naturally. You don't have to force your body open. You don't have to make your body do stuff like it is just and I didn't know how to do that. So. I actually learned through my own self-pleasure practice, first by being with my body and telling her to be safe, like calming her down and being like, mm-hmm. hey, I love you, I'm with you, you matter, you can go at your own pace, like whatever you need, just those words of affirmation felt so great. And then my body started to show me that my arousal, like my natural arousal is actually very sweet and subtle and innocent it starts very gentle and then I can ride the wave if I want, but I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, that's more to me, that's the difference with authentic sexuality and performative It's just what is actually here. And when you get so in tune with your body or if you're making love and you're so in tune with the other person's body, then you'll notice that, what's there is actually so sweet at the beginning, right? It's like, like, right? It's so sweet um, and that we wanna follow that, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, let me switch gears just a little bit. Are you, let me just start by asking, are you currently in a relationship and what's your relationship structure? Yeah, um, I'm married and oh. I'm married and we are, we consider ourselves non-monogamous Um, When we first met, I was, I had seven like lovers that I had had for like three or four years. So I was pretty much solo poly um, and really loving just creating community. I love community. I'm really big on community. And that's really why I think I'm non-monogamous because I just love people so much. Um, And my partner came into this monogamous. So it was like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but, but my partner, they knew that there was something to it. Like they, their mind was like, hang on, this makes sense. This makes sense that I don't want to make you my one and only, and you don't want to make, like, I get it. I get that we need community. I want to create this. And so we've been together for three, three and a half years and we've navigated open relating. And then what we do, the way that we work it is as soon as I start to feel that my partner's nervous system, that my partner's not feeling safe, that my partner doesn't feel, you know, I'm not gonna, I I have to continue to create a sense of safety in our partnership so that our family maintains a sense of stability. So we kind of will open and then we close again and we open and we close, but it doesn't really matter because my lovers are like my family, they're some of my best friends. And so mm-hmm. if, if we just take sex off the table for a few weeks, they don't care. They're like, that's fine, I'll see you. I'll see you in two months and we'll have some great sex again. Like it's not, to me, it's not, it's not an issue. And to me, it really helps my partner heal whatever there is sexually on their end, um, giving that safety for them, which I feel like is so crucial. Cause if I'm gonna be with them for the rest of my life, I wanna make sure that 
non-monogamy doesn't just blow them into fear all the time, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so a lot of your work that you do is around sexual freedom, right? Yeah. Um, I think what some people who are listening um, may ask, like, why be in a committed relationship and when sexual freedom is so important to you? Mm. So, um, could you maybe break that down for people who might not understand? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with the definition of sexual freedom, in my okay. opinion. So the way that I see sexual freedom is the ability to choose. So what I mean by this is a lot of people, to me, freedom is choice. Yeah. A lot right. of a lot of people, when they start to feel arousal or desire, they can't actually choose what to do with it. It's either I'm going to shut it down because I feel shame and fear and I'm not allowed to have this feeling, or I'm going to go run and chase it and there's nothing I can, like, that's it. And those are like the two options that they have. Right. Because they, we don't know as a society, I don't think we know what to do with arousal. When it comes up, we're just like, ah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So for me, sexual freedom is I trust my body. I know I know what she wants and needs at any given moment. And then when I feel arousal, I get to choose what to do with that. Now, that doesn't mean that, well, actually what that means, what that involves is if my partner is feeling unsafe or they're going through their own healing, my body actually won't choose to be non -monogamous. It's really funny. Like I can't have sex with someone if I can feel that they're, that they're moving through something because I'm just so attuned to our partnership that I'm like, I'm not gonna screw this up. Mm -hmm. However, if they're feeling super safe and I can feel that and we've got a great flow going on, I my body will open to other people with ease. So oftentimes it's just sexual freedom to me is like in that moment, in that mm -hmm. moment that I'm feeling arousal, can I trust it? And can I choose what I wanna do with it based on what my body authentically is telling me in that moment? Okay. Awesome. Now, hearing that, I think from what what my interpretation would be, I'm hearing you kind of say that, like, you have sexual freedom in your current relationship, but it's also very important for you to, um, on some level, you know, check in with your partner to make sure they're okay with your sexual freedom before you choose to engage in it or not. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I think that the difference is that I'm not necessarily asking for permission. Okay. Right? Um, mm -hmm. Because my body is my body, right? And their body is their body and everyone's body is their own. So, so in my perspective, my body gets to do what she wants. Now, what's interesting, though, is that my body actually can't do something that's going to hurt another. And I think... I think that when our sexuality is really integrated with ourselves, that sex, sexuality and arousal will only be for good, will only be for love. And I don't even have to think about it. Like literally my, my pussy is like shut down for business. If something, someone or something feels unsafe, she won't open. It's wild. I'm like, it's like a litmus test or if like, <laughs> or if I'm in front of someone and they're hitting on me and I'm not aroused, even though they're gorgeous and I should be, I'm like, well, there's something funky that must be happening. And then two days right. later, two days later, I get some dirt and I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. So 
it's really to me like sexual freedom is that I really trust instinctively my own body because I've done so much work on my body over the past 15 years that she mm-hmm. knows like she totally knows she's mm-hmm. you know I I had sex once maybe a, a year a year ago or so with one of my lovers who's gorgeous like he looks like um Wolverine I don't remember what that actor is but he looks like Wolverine <laughs> Hugh Jackman there you yeah. go um, he looks like Hugh Jackman. And I, I, he was doing all the moves. I mean, he's incredible. You know, he's just like born on this planet to make women happy. Like that is his job. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's looking in my eyes, like confused because normally I'm very expressive and you know, like I'm very like, I'm an ocean. Really? And, and he looks at me and I said, I can't feel your heart. It won't work. I, I was like, I just knew my body won't, it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. then, and then he gave me some of his heart and I was like, Whoa, it was like a big ocean wave. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean. Like I, there's such an instinctual knowledge of my own body that the rules and agreements are in non-monogamy are less important than the trust and the safety that I create with myself and my community. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I keep wanting to go back to like, I don't want to keep talking through the same question, but it just seems like amazing to me that somebody can um, get there from a place that you, know, you say you started out as, as a child. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really amazing to me personally. Like I've always kind of felt that I've had my struggles with, um, with sexual freedom, you know, cause I was, my dad was all over the place. I got brothers and sisters, you know, around, mm-hmm. And um, I was told not to be like my dad from a very early age, but I'm very mm. much like my dad. Like, I, I, I love women, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the main thing with him was he just didn't have the capability to be honest at the time because he didn't know how to get what he wanted or, or shift his desires and still be honest, honest with people, which is what I had to learn to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, everything you're saying completely resonates with me because I, I use I call it like um, like penis intelligence because, like, there's some uh-huh. women like that may be really attractive, but like I just won't be into them for whatever reason. Right, right, yeah. Like, I got nothing. I can't do nothing. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. It's not. It's not gonna happen. There's no performance happening. It's not gonna happen if you're not right. really into it. And I really trust that. I really trust that energy. Now, what's interesting is that you know the opposite of that. And I think why I really believe that everything that's happened to me, all the pain, my childhood was just stuck with pain. That's all I knew was pain and fear really, except for the moments of, you know, hippie festivals and running around naked and drugs and stuff. (laughs) But you know, the majority of it was like, whoa. Um, I really think that that was given to me. Those moments were given to me so that I could learn the opposite of what I'm talking about now. And I, I really learned it. Like, I remember I was molested multiple times and raped multiple times. And I remember toward the ending of it, looking at my rapist's eyes while he was doing it and seeing how disconnected he was from his body. I was fa- I, I, like, I got to a place where I started to get fascinated with it. I was like, what is this sexual aggression? Like, I need mm-hmm. to know, I need to know what's happening. And what I realized was that as a culture, we don't understand how to actually be real with our sexuality. So, you know, these sexually aggressive people, what's happening is they're just so disconnected from their body and so disconnected from their emotions that 
sexuality for them becomes this like drug outlet versus what it actually is, which is an expression of love. Yeah. And so it, it gets really twisted. And my sexuality as a result of that, when I was a teenager was the same. I was very, I would dissociate every time I had sex. I wasn't present. And it's because that's all I knew. I only knew, oh, when I have sex, I'm not supposed to be here. Let me drink a few, let me drink a few drinks first because it's too much, right? And so right. that healing journey of learning that sex is actually a beautiful, innocent, perfect part of me and everyone else. And there's nothing wrong with arousal and like the beauty in all of that, that's been the most remarkable journey over the past 15 years to really land that in my system. I'm really grateful for it, to be honest. It's been a really amazing experience. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and let me circle back just a little bit too. You did mention that you were a mother, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, what I, one thing I would wanna ask, and I know that what well, pops to mind is it seems like you grew up in a very like very free um, environment, but again, you said there was a lack of safety and security there, and and now you're all about freedom. Like, how do you raise children, or how do you see you know help people to raise children in a, with a sense of love and freedom, but then still provide a sense of safety and structure? Like, it mm. seems like those two things. Were, like, I feel like that's one of the main reasons people are very anti-sex, especially when it comes to children. Anyway, like mm -hmm. I know when I was when I was younger. Um, I could watch, you know, Blade or somebody, you know, some movie with ultra violence and people killing each other, but I couldn't watch a, mo a set scene in a movie. You know, I Isn't that there. wild? That blows my Great. mind. <laughs> it's crazy right. to me. Crazy to me. And that's really just, our, that's our culture, right? That's where yeah. we're so like, sure, violence, like, no, not love. Don't show them love. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I really, you know, the my, my child is six years old and the way that I parent and um, really believe in parenting is that I am, I am as a mother, I am their safe space. So I'm the more embodied that I am, the more, the happier I am and the more peaceful I am, my kid will just like run up to me and want to cuddle me or run up to me. I can feel it. Like, it's like children look for that secure, safe adult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then the freedom comes from a trust more than anything. Like I trust that my child is going to have experiences that will grow them just like I did. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to trust that. But I'm what I was missing as a kid was that stable, secure adult, like consistent. Right. So for me, I'm providing that and then they can have whatever experiences they want. Now, when my kid talks about what's, what's interesting to me is that children Children that have not been molested or have not been exposed to genitals or, you know, like outright sexual stuff, um, non-consensually at a young age, sexuality for kids is really innocent. Like arousal, mm. arousal for a five-year-old is like playing with their penis in the shower and being like, wow, that feels good. Like, <laughs> and it's, there's nothing, what the thing is, is I just want everyone to hear, there is nothing wrong with that. It does feel good. Our bodies are meant to make us feel good. They're beautiful. And so my kid will ask me about their penis and I'm like, yeah, you, it's great. Like, tell me about it. You know, like, <laughs> what's that experience? Like, 
but it's not a, it's not a like, Oh no, no, don't do that. You know, um, it's a, it's a, you have a beautiful body and I have a beautiful body, which means that Mm -hmm. if you go to touch me, please ask me for consent first. If I go to touch you, I'm going to ask you for consent. Like it's, that's what sexual education gets to look like for kids. Like we're teaching consent. We're teaching that our bodies are beautiful and miraculous. We're teaching kids that they can have great feelings in their body and they don't have to feel shamed for them like this Mm -hmm. and then i really believe that sexuality as as a child matures is because they have that foundation of i love my body i love what it does for me i love other people's bodies and i respect them (laughs) right like Mm -hmm. once arousal happens they'll be like oh cool it won't be a thing and that's really what i'm what i'm seeking i want to take sex off of this big pedestal and bring it down into the, you know, into the dining room table where we can all talk about it for what it is, which is just an exchange of love, right? Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, let me switch gears again one, right quick and just ask, like, again, like one of the things that you do is, you know, you help people to explore or tap into a sense of sexual freedom that you seem to have innately now, um, yeah. correct? Yes. Like, do you help people that are monogamous? And how does sexual freedom help them if they are monogamous? Yeah, absolutely. So again, sexual freedom is really just attunement to self. So this is what's really interesting. My partner is, I don't, we don't know yet, but I don't know how non-monogamous my partner is. This is really interesting for us. Um, And what I think sexual freedom is for both of us is like, what does your body actually want in this moment? And what we found out for them is they just want to have friends and like take people out on dates, but the sexual activity piece is not important to them. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's totally fine because that's what your body actually wants right now. That may change. No big deal. So when I'm working with someone that's monogamous, it's the same concept of like, what does your body want right now? Does it want when you're out on a date, do you want someone holding your hand or would you prefer space? Right. Um, it's, it's all those little, like, I think we think that sex is just when you get into the bedroom, but there's all these little moments where you're actually enhancing your sex life just by understanding your body and your day-to-day life. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a big key with monogamy is, to be sexually free just means that you understand your body and you're living your life in pleasure because everyone deserves that. Whether pleasure for you is multiple partners or is you just with one partner, it doesn't matter. It's about what your body wants and what feels the most liberating for you in this lifetime. Right. What would you say to people who have experienced, um, how do I, how about phrases? Like sexual buyer's remorse, you know, people who thought it was authentic, yes, had sex and was like, oh, no, I, I wish I didn't do that. And then they kind of like shut that down. Like I've had I've, I've had people talk about those type of experiences. Like, what would mm. you say to people like that? Because it's like, how would they even know to begin to even trust themselves? Because like, I feel like it'd be very disheartening when you, you know, you feel like you have a yes and you realize like, oh, uh, really was not a yes. That's just great information for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's great information. That's information of like, oh, oops, I didn't actually like there was something I was missing there. Let me learn myself more. Let me figure mm-hmm. out what signs in my body I wasn't paying attention to. And this still happens to me. Like I'll sometimes Ooh. if there's someone that I'm really excited about, 
And I, I, what I call, I call it top down arousal versus bottom up. So top down arousal is like, <laughs> oh, cool. right? wait a minute. What? Okay. Yeah. I got to hear so, this. All right. So top down arousal is like, oh my gosh, this person is so hot and like they're a total celebrity and I've come up with all of these things I want to do to them and I'm fantasizing about them. That's top down arousal. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, you've already created all the plans, right? Like you're not even in the present moment. You're like, we're going to get married. You're going right? to be right. this type of lover for me. We're going to have sex like this, right? It's like not even about the person anymore. You've created a whole story around them. And then right. bottom up arousal is let me, let me be around you and see what my body does, right? Like, let me trust mm -hmm. my body. And so for most people, we're just trained to do top-down arousal. I really think a lot of this is because of porn culture. Like we see fantasies all the time on the screen. And so our minds are used to associating sex and fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, and sex and arousal actually comes from the body. It's bottom up. So if you have experiences where, I mean, this has happened to me in my lifetime and in my exploration where you're like, wow, I actually didn't like that. That wasn't something I wish I did. Um, mm -hmm. That just shows you, oh, I was top down. I was in top down processing. So my mind was telling me what I thought I wanted. But if I actually trusted my body and if I actually slowed down enough to listen to my body, I bet my body would have told me that I didn't want this scenario. Mm. So, right. So then what you do is you recreate a relationship with your body. I literally will put my hands on my body and I'll talk to her and be like, I'm so sorry that we went through that. I was I was stuck in my head. I was creating all sorts of scenarios. I wasn't listening to you. I recommit to you. So you're creating like a partnership with your body um, just as you would with anyone else. Right. Okay. Um, my next question would be, all this sounds beautiful. And I'm, believe me, I'm right there with you. I did a lot <laughs> of, uh, I did a lot of work recently uh, personally, I've been doing Tantra. I learned some Tantra. I took a class. Um, I had an experience where this um, this young lady was working on me, and she did this thing where she like really opened my heart up. Like I mm. cried, I was boohooing, I was breaking stuff. It was, it was, it was a whole thing. Mm, uh, and life's been a little bit different since then. Yeah. But I wanted to ask, like, do you, well, first, do you help men also in your practice? Like, do you deal with male clients or male helping men with um, sexual freedom? Yeah, I work with all genders. That's that's no okay. thing. That's no thing for me. To me, I call it any Audi. It's the same. Gotcha. <laughs> just wanted to be. Just want, I, I assume so. I just wanted to be clear for the audience. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, how, so what do you feel your your personal experience has been the challenges with men? Um, because I know in the culture that I was raised in, typically, just how you know I perceived male sexuality in like you know the early '90s when I was growing up. Um, like if the girl is attractive, it's always a yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. there's really, it seems very like, it was very basic in terms of like, yo, the girl's fine. You want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you want to do it. You, you, you try to do it any way you can. Yeah. Um, so how do you get men or do you like, like how do you help men with the, um, getting to a sense of authentic sex? Cause I do feel like a lot of men are end up stuck in what you, what you refer to as performative sex. Totally. Yeah, totally. Because there's this, yeah, there's this assumption that, right, if you're going to have sex with me and you're a man, that you better do all the work and you better be hard the whole time and you better, right? Like, oh. right? 
Because like, my early my early um, sex education, I mean, if I'm honest, was really just porn. Like I didn't really know. Yeah. And porn is very much like not it. <laughs> not not it at all. I I one day want to create my own porn with like authentic sex. I'm excited about this. Um, working on it. But so the the biggest thing, the way that I work with men is sure they're gonna have different. Uh, like societally, men are going to have different reactions to sexuality than women or non-binary folks. But to be honest, when I'm looking at a body, I'm not looking at their gender or their sexual or their sexual, like what they have, right? If they have a, have a penis or a vulva, like I'm not looking at that. What I'm looking at is how much are you in your head, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like how much are you in your head? Is your energy relaxed and open or are you tense or angry? Or are you trying to escape, right? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm looking at. So when I'm working on a body, anybody, I'm just first starting by helping the body relax. I think that a lot of men in our culture think that they have to kind of drum up sexuality. Like it has to be real, like, rah, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of energy. And mm-hmm. what they can, men can actually start to understand is that if they slow it down a bit and be with themselves a bit more like say say you see a super attractive woman and you're like whoa like right slow Mm -hmm. it down. don't go up to her right away slow it down and feel your own body what is your body actually feeling what are the sensations in your body like is it heat is it tingling is it it, are you afraid do you feel angry do you feel anxious like we got to start to get people to understand that emotions and being emotionally clear is one of the hottest things you could do, right? So first we check in, what's going on with my emotions? And then if your arousal is coming from a place of, I feel excited and open and loving, right? And then your body is responding, then you go and you approach this woman. Otherwise, she's going to read it and she's going to be like, no, something's off. You're trying to get me because you're trying to prove something or like I can feel that you're kind of nervous about it. So you're being all weird, like weird stuff like that. Really. It it reminds me of this time I was dating this guy and he was amazing. Like he was amazing. He was amazing. Right. Such a, he was a business owner. I looked like, and I'm a business owner. And so when I see another business owner that I I'm, I'm like, wow, like awesome. This is so cool. I really respect you. He came over to my house one night, totally drunk. This was so weird. It was so strange. Mm. And and like like very drunk. And that's not part of my culture anymore. Like people, my community, we don't do, like we're, we're good. We don't get wasted, right? He came right. over to me, totally <laughs> drunk, and then like runs up onto my porch and starts kissing me. And I pulled him back and I was like, what are you doing? Like what's happening right now? <laughs> Like, what is this? And he said to me, he was like, I was so scared to kiss you that I knew the only way I could do it was if I drank a lot first. And then, <laughs> right? And like, isn't it so sweet? Like, my heart is just exploding. I'm like, honey. <laughs> right? But this is what I mean. Like, we don't have to show this bravado. I would have much rather he just said, I'm nervous you intimidate me. Like I want to kiss you, but I'm scared. And I would have held him there. We would have been, and then our sex and our kiss that our first kiss would have been amazing. 
because we would have felt so connected. So it's really so much of this is about taking the brainwashing that American society is trying to tell you and learning that what makes sex hot is being authentically yourself, being in tune with your emotions and your body and really putting that self-responsibility of yourself first. That's like so huge. Mm, Amazing. So again, just recap on kind of what I'm hearing is I'm just hearing you say that basically regardless if you're working with a man or a woman, your primary objective is to see what the energy is doing or what's blocking it and trying to get it into more of a relaxed, receptive state. Uh, Whatever that structure that may be impeding the energy could be. You know, because again, sometimes men and women may have different jobs, but it doesn't really matter. But because your goal is about the safety and relaxation of the person to get them to an authentic sexual space. Is that, yeah. is that what I'm A hundred percent. And I actually have a whole framework around this. So the listeners can go and check it out. There's a book on Amazon. They can get the book. It's called The Orgasmic Arc. And okay. this it's The Orgasmic Arc is basically tracking authentic sex, tracking sex that that helps you feel fulfilled at the end. So once the body is safe, that's step one. Safety is step one. The body will, both bodies are naturally going to feel aroused. So you'll move into step two. That's called intrigue. And that's the curiosity. That's the like, Ooh, what's it like if I kiss you here? Oh my goodness. I'm feeling things. Whoa. Right. And, and that's mutual. That should feel mutual. That's not something where one person's leading it and the other one's like, I don't know if I feel safe yet. Like once both of y'all feel safe, then you move into this. It should feel like a dance. Then what Mm -hmm. happens is we move into step three. This is directionality. This is where, have you ever, I always give this example of what it's not first. Have you ever been making out with someone and like you're feeling it and then all of a sudden the energy just dies and you're sitting on the couch watching TV and you're like, what just happened? Like, (laughs) do you know what Um, I mean? Have you ever had that experience where you're like, I don't, I don't understand what just uh, happened. Like that was so weird. I have almost had that experience. My my experience has typically been I'm making out with somebody is I'm feeling it. And then I'm not really feeling the kiss too much. The kissing is very important to me. Um, but then I end up having sex anyway. <laughs> like, that's, that's typically what I would end up doing. Okay, got uh, it, got but, it, got but it. I do understand what just that moment you're talking about. Because I feel I feel bad about disappointing the person. I, feel uh-huh. like, well, I, feel, I don't want to disappoint her. So I guess I need to, you know? That's the work. That's step two. So that's working on what what is authentic arousal for you? Like, what does it right. actually feel like when you're a yes to this experience instead of I just got to do what I got to do? So right. once once you learn that authentic, you go into intrigue with step two, what's going to happen is the, the energy, that arousal energy, it's going to feel so good, right? You can just live there. Mm-hmm. One person is going to have to direct the energy. And mm-hmm. I, I really don't think this is just up to the man to do. I think that that's bullshit. Sometimes yeah. I love directing the energy, right? Like it does not matter. So what this means is just someone's got to move in. Someone's got to move forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, when that happens, then you feel yourself connecting on a different way. Like all of a sudden there's a, there's a focused energy. So it could be like all of a sudden we're working with the genitals and I'm right there with the genitals or all of a sudden I'm it's really heart based and I feel my heart like getting kind of like, whoa, it's going to open. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if you do this part effectively, if you meet each other in directionality, then the body's going to open and open. That's step four. Openness to me is orgasm. 
but it's also crying, screaming, laughing, like it's any release of energy. And mm-hmm. a lot of people try to get to openness before they do any of the other four steps. And I'm like, stop it, stop. They don't feel safe. Arousal is not authentic. Mm-hmm. Like the orgasm is going to feel cheap. It's not going to feel good. Now right. that's step four. Most people can just stop there. Like you could just get up, take a shower, go home. You'll be happy. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like, you'll be happy. But if you want more, like some people, like what happened to me was I wanted more to sex. And so I started staying like after you've had the orgasm or the crygasm or the whatever, and you feel, whoa, then you stay. And what happens is you start to feel what we call step five is beingness, which is just this peace. It's like this bliss. And I honestly think that the purpose of sex is to bring us to this place as a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very spiritual space. It's 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 beautiful, and it's where like neurologically your brain waves slow down, and healing exists, and love is there. It's just like yeah, you're just in it, right? Oxytocin, tocin rush. So hang out and beingness. I always tell people stay, stay, stay. Don't get up right away and wash your hands or whatever. Like just, I mean, do that if you need, but like, but then come back and stay. <laughs> <laughs> And and then what's going to happen after that is step six, the last step is you're going to start to understand authentic expression. Step six is called expression. And this is where the body is like, so I come from a, a queer background too. I've been with all bodies, men, women, everything in between. And one of the things in lesbian culture and queer culture is that sex doesn't stop after one person climaxes, right? Like lesbians, the 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 inner the inside joke with lesbians is that they'll have sex for like seven hours straight because they understand this last step, which is after we've hung out for a bit, we're totally open, we're hanging out, then all of a sudden someone's gonna authentically want to start doing something again. There's gonna be <laughs> right? right. It's just gonna it's just gonna happen unless you got somewhere to go. It's just gonna happen. Or you're gonna have the most beautiful conversation, or all of a sudden you're gonna start dancing and singing. Like this is authentic expression and it's so beautiful and it's amazing seeing it with two people. I love it. And to me it's where the artistry of sexuality comes in. So those are the six mm-hmm. steps. I had to tell y'all because I just love the six steps so much. And I, I think they're beautiful to track and learn uh, as oh, yeah, go through. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Say, uh, tell us again the um, the book and where we can find it. It's called The Orgasmic Arc. And it's written by me. So just, just first name Genevieve. And uh, it's on Amazon. Amazon. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to try to get me a copy. You that have to. Cool. I'll sign it for you. I would so appreciate it. <laughs> Um, in my constant journey, I've kind of gotten to that place recently. Like, um, I've learned that looking back at my sexual life, I learned that in my twenties, I didn't really enjoy sets as much as I could have been. Cause I was, I was kind of in service mode. Like I was pretty much doing it most mainly for women, even though I did like it myself, but I was doing it like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of pleasure out of, it. I wouldn't allow myself to feel pleasure if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, again, to the place where I'm at now, I'm almost 40. Um, I feel like I'm I'm more sexually healthy than I've ever really been um, before. I'm really connecting to the women that I'm choosing to interact with in, in a real in a real way. Mm, so. so beautiful! You're gonna love the book. You'll just you'll die. And we have a course that goes with the book. I mean, like it's my thing. The orgasmic arc is incredible. So, but it's advanced. It's an advanced practice, and definitely where you are now sounds like a perfect space. Yeah. 
Oh, dope. I'm, I'm there. Then. I'm definitely going to try to look that up. Awesome. Um, tell the people your, uh, you know, your social media handles or where they can find you or whatnot. Yeah. So it's pretty easy. If you just do Genevieve pleasure, um, in Google, all my stuff will show up, but Instagram is also, also Genevieve pleasure. Sometimes I just go by Genevieve. So on Facebook, you'll see Genevieve, Genevieve. Um, but other than that, if you Google, you'll literally see articles and articles of all my stuff, plus all the books and all the courses that you can get. So, and if anyone ever has a question, they can just DM me and my team will get them the link for whatever they're looking for. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Genevieve. This has been a true pleasure. Um, I'm so happy you were, um, again, you took time to do this with me and have this conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and yeah, I hope we can talk again at some point sometime. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much for yeah. having me on and, and what a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been another episode of Noble Relating, the podcast of New Paradigm. See you next week. Peace. Bye.